WBZ original. If you guys could just get started, we might need to pull Paula for breaking news again. Okay. So I'll, we'll try oh, to work oh, around exciting. it. Yeah, we we'll almost feel oh, like we should God. get the pies first, oh, right? God. I feel like this podcast now makes me sound like a banshee. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting when it's a holiday week. We're leading up to Thanksgiving with this week's Studio BZ, Season 4, Episode 8. And we're so happy you're listening. I'm you know Paula Evans. Yeah, you know what I'm thankful for this week? Obviously, all of you, my family, all that. I'm thankful to be Austin's number one. Oh, yeah, I am thankful you know, to be still. with the two of you yeah, in the podcast and nice. studio. And Jonathan, of course, and Allie and over there, and all yeah. of you. Yeah, it's it's... It's a really tight-knit, if dysfunctional family. <laughs> so, you know what, John? Just like your own family, <laughs> listener at home. We put the fun in dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, great ad lib the other night on the uh, on the air when the uh, when we threw to a package and it was just black. <laughs> It was supposed to be a live shot, right? It was supposed to be a a little tease for a story about the winter forecast. Right. Mm. So it comes back to Paula and Liam on the desk. Paula does not miss a beat. She says, as you can see, it's very dark out. It's going to be dark. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the winter forecast. The winter forecast is dark. So what's coming up on this week's show? Well, I've got an interview with Governor Charlie Baker, and I know normally that's your cue to take a nap. But if you're listening in the car and you're behind the wheel, please don't doze off right now. That could really bollocks up the Thanksgiving traffic. But uh, uh, the governor and I talked about some interesting things, transportation for Mm -hmm. one, and how to fix our horrendous traffic problems. And we talked about the possibility of him leaving the Republican Party. So that's all coming up. Very interesting. And, uh, of course, John, your turkeys of 2019 yeah, as well. Yeah, the turkeys. Yeah, and, in fact, uh, uh, listeners to Alston's number one podcast will get something that our TV viewers aren't getting, oh. which is a look at the turkeys that didn't make the cut. Oh. That's always what I want. The, I want the those outtakes. little trimmings. I That's want what the, people yeah, love. The, the podcast. The, the entrails. You know, the stuff that <laughs> Ew, was left on the cutting Ew. room floor. And that then we're going to have, uh, speaking of entrails, we're going to talk about apple pie. Uh, again, no, we're going to talk about the, the, the great pie debate, which is the best Thanksgiving pie. And it always gets pretty emotional in this room when this conversation happens. People because of are the passionate. You could say argument it, between Paula and me. You could say it gets crusty. <laughs> well, John, I know you talked with Governor Charlie Baker, and you talked about all kinds of political issues, of course, but you also asked him about his standing in the Republican Party. Yeah, you know, uh, I got to hand it to Governor Baker. I don't think he always likes my line of questioning, but he comes on a regular basis and sits down and takes his medicine. And he did recently for a long interview where we talked about uh, the widening gap between the Massachusetts Republican Party apparatus and the governor and his office and his position on issues. Um, But we started off by talking about a certain former governor and his newly launched presidential race. And here's what Governor Charlie Baker had to say. Our city is truly the hub, the hub of the universe. Governor, welcome. Thanks, John. Governor Deval Patrick is reportedly planning to enter the presidential race. Based on what you found when you took over from him in January of 2015, do you think he could be a good president? Well, I think, first of all, the decision that anybody makes to run is very personal. And um, and obviously, this is something he and his wife, Diane, have talked about previously because he almost got in last year. Um, 
I ran against him, as you may recall, and lost in 2010. Um, and I always said that I thought he was a spectacular candidate and campaigner and maybe the best retail politician certainly I've ever seen. Um, we had a lot of differences on a lot of things when we took over. Um, it's part of the reason why I ran against him in 2010. But I think a, I think a presidential campaign is, uh, especially in this day and age, is going to be as much about the message as it is about anything else. And, and I, I, I think if he chooses to get in, that's really where his focus will be, too. On what his message is. Yeah, and the voters, too. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I talk to a lot of voters all the yeah. time. And, uh, and the thing I hear from them over and over again is uh, how disheartened and distressed they are by uh, the quality of public discourse, especially at the national level, mm -hmm. where they basically view everybody as just throwing tomatoes at each other all day long and not really focusing on anything that really relates to the people's particular interests and concerns. All right, well, let's, we may get into more of that, but let's, let's talk about what's happening locally. You have called for borrowing $18 billion over the coming years to fund transportation improvements that would add tens of thousands of transit seats, overhaul the bus system, improve roads, and so on. Your plan to pay for it includes a potential future fuel tax, excuse me, a fee, under the Transportation and Climate Initiative that would provide an uncertain amount of dough. It's not clear whether it could even be implemented. Why not remove the uncertainty, get the ball rolling on these improvements sooner by going for a gas tax increase, considering that our current gas tax is lower than every New England state except New Hampshire? Okay, just one thing about the bill. Remember when we file a transportation bond bill, we have to put federal funding in there alongside um, state funding, so it's not all borrowing. A bunch of well, I guess you could theoretically say it's all borrowing if you think the federal money that's in there is borrowed. Right. But the bottom line is, it's it's a combination of okay. state and federal resources. I stand corrected. Um, so it's just a it's not a correction. It's just an abbreviation. Um, with respect to the transportation climate initiative, we currently have in Massachusetts on energy a nine-state coalition that. Um, puts a price on carbon when we buy energy, when wholesalers buy energy, and they take that money and they turn around and they invest it into mass save and to energy efficiency programs and other initiatives to reduce the amount of energy that we all use. Right. And this is basically the same idea, a 12-state consortium, price on carbon, you take the money from it and you put it into things that reduce um, transportation emissions, which is the number one cause of greenhouse gas emissions at this point. And I just think doing this regionally makes so much more sense than trying to do it one state at a time. What's the, what's your resistance to the gas tax? I mean, I understand it's politically volatile. Poll after poll shows it's unpopular. But, you know, you're the most popular governor in the country. Uh, you're early on in your second term. You certainly have the political capital to support something like that. And by the time you're up for re-election again, if you do run again, people will be seeing, I presume, tangible improvements in this, this blight on our quality of life. Why? Why are you so reluctant? Well, first of all, with the work we're currently doing with our $8 billion capital plan on the MBTA and the stuff that we'd like to get out of this bond bill, people will see improvements anyway on transportation. Um, but more importantly, I think doing anything like that on a regional basis makes more sense. If you're a, if you're a retailer who operates anywhere around the New England region and the state of Massachusetts goes ahead and slaps a big gas tax on, uh, on gas and on drivers, 
you're going to suffer for that because people are going to go to New Hampshire, they're going to go to Vermont, they're going to go to Connecticut, Rhode Island, uh, New York to buy their gas. They're not going to buy it in New Hampshire. And I see no reason to disadvantage Massachusetts distributors at the expense of, of everybody else. One more thing about transportation here. Uh, before you took office, the State Department of Transportation, MassDOT, uh, that bureaucracy was expanded to include the T, the Registry of Motor Vehicles, and other organizations. Turnpike, Turnpike yeah. And in, certainly in the case of the RMV violation processing fiasco, we see how in a large bureaucracy, problems that need fixing can go unaddressed. They get lost in the great black hole of the bureaucracy. In hindsight, was that consolidation a mistake? Um, there were a number of reasons to do that, and the point behind it originally was to create kind of a holistic approach to transportation generally, which conceptually I support. Um, with respect to all the issues around the registry that have to do with the out-of-state um, violation processing, that was just a, a major fail and a horrible tragedy um, occurred as a result of it. And once it was brought to the attention, what had actually happened was brought to the attention of um, the secretary's office and our office. I mean, the, the, the part that's unfortunate about this most of all is, you know, in a matter of weeks, we managed to make a ton of progress on cleaning that up, and I wish we'd known about it, because if we had, we would have. Just got to slip this in. As you know, this is kind of a pet peeve of mine, the State Gaming Commission. You've resisted my characterization of it in the past. It's a fiasco. I'd like to know if you still do, in light of the fact that Everett is way underperforming its projections, the slots down in Plain Ridge are struggling, and, and MGM Springfield is a disaster. Uh, isn't it time for fixing the, the mess we've made out of legalized expanded gambling? Well, I think it's hard. I mean, part of the reason I was always a big fan of doing one was because I wasn't really sure what yeah. the uh, what the play here in Massachusetts would look like um, overall, just given the market generally. And yeah. I think one of the things that the Gaming Commission needs to think about, as well as those three players you talked about, is what is going to be what we would call steady state here on a go-forward basis and then plan accordingly. Um, I think the... You know, what the MGM facility did for that part of downtown Springfield, you just can't deny. I mean, they, they completely um, remade it and reimagined it in a way that's far better than it was before. And there are a lot more people there visiting, going to the restaurants and all the rest than they ever had in that part of Springfield previously. Um, what Encore did to clean up Mystic Valley, I mean, the Mystic River, you can't, it's a beautiful thing that they did there. But there's obviously a big discussion that needs to be had about what is going to be steady state here and what's a reasonable expectation with respect to saturation. Yeah. So in the municipal elections uh, this month, a new super PAC called Massachusetts Majority with close ties to you poured nearly $270,000 into 15 races. That's a good chunk of dough at the municipal level, some supporting Republicans, some Democrats. A GOP activist, Ed Lyons, wrote in Commonwealth Magazine recently that Massachusetts majority has all the makings of a new statewide political party. Is, is that true? <laughs> well, first of all, um, Greg Lascotti, who's a um, business guy from Central Mass, who's the chairman of of that organization um, sort of comes at it from the point of view that um, there needs to be some entity that supports what he would call the middle 
uh, of the, our po current political dynamic. There's a lot of money and a lot of noise on an organization on both ends, you know, the far right and the far left. And he, like a lot of people, is worried about um, supporting the people who are quote unquote playing in the middle, whether Democrats or Republicans, sort of pragmatic, uh, practical people. And um, and I, I support that ideology. I am, for all intents and purposes, a moderate. People know that. And I do try to play in what I would call the real space um, of, of public life. And I, I wouldn't think of it as a party, per se. I just think of it as more of a, an attempt to support candidates who are philosophically more toward um, sort of center-right or center-left, but not out on the edges. And I, I appreciate the fact that Greg's willing to do this. Well, if the Republican Party in Massachusetts continues to be controlled by Trump supporters, do you have any use for it? Um, I've been a Republican for ever, and over that period of time, um, the party's gone in a bunch of different directions. I would say the same about the Democrat Party. Uh, and I would also point out that the largest group of voters in Massachusetts at this point are the unenrolleds, and they grow every year, it seems to me. And uh, there's a message in that, I think, for everybody else, particularly the folks that are, that are part of the party structure. I tend to think of myself as sort of a, um, a moderate Republican in traditional New England ways. Well, what's the difference between you and a moderate to, to conservative Democrat? Depends. Um, depends to some extent on the issues. Um, but I think there are people that um, I've got, look, there are plenty of people on independents, Democrats, and Republicans that I've worked really well with, and so has our administration over the course of the past five years. And, um, and I, I try not to make the work about partisanship, which is one of the reasons why I think we've had a fair amount of success here and why I think people in Washington could learn something from us. Well, do you see a need for a third party? I certainly see a need for recognizing and understanding that as somebody who spends a lot of time day in and day out talking to voters in Massachusetts, right. most voters in Massachusetts are much more aligned to that center-left, center-right place. They're not playing out here. And, uh, and, and just as importantly, they, they don't think about this stuff through a partisan lens. They think about it through, what are you going to do to improve the quality of education? What are you going to do to help my downtown revitalize? What are you going to do about affordable housing? What are you going to do about education? That's the way people think about this stuff. And, um, they don't think about it as Republican or Democrat. They just want to see solutions. Well, if President Trump is reelected, or even if he isn't, and Trumpism continues to have a total grip on the party, you're a man without a home, right? Well, I, you know, I point out to people when, when they say this, you know, I won three Republican conventions and three Republican primaries. And, um, and there are a lot of people who are, quote, Republicans in Massachusetts who I believe think about this stuff the same way I do. But uh, it's a big ten, obviously. Well, it's been getting smaller, hasn't it? But that's true for the other side, too. I mean, mm -hmm. like I said, the fastest growing party in Massachusetts is the folks without one. Voting's a, a personal matter, but certainly there's a lot of scrutiny about your vote, and you made it clear you did not vote for President Trump in the election. Uh, is there any chance on earth that you could vote for him again, or you, that you could vote for him next year? Well, I said, um, as you point out, back in... Uh, 2016 that um, I was concerned about his temperament um, and I didn't support him and uh, I haven't seen anything since then that changes my mind with respect to that. 
but obviously we work with his administration and with the people in his administration when it works for Massachusetts and it's important for us to do so. Um, we got the Green Line Extension Project done, which had a billion dollars in federal money behind it, uh, and a series of other initiatives as well. But we also oppose them on issues when we disagree. And the most well-known one, I think, is probably around the Title IX funding, where um, when he cut it, we opposed the cut, and then we turned around and uh, worked with our colleagues in the legislature, Republicans and Democrats, uh, to fill that hole so that women would continue to have access to reproductive health services in Massachusetts. Have you ever experienced a problem in your interactions with the feds because of your posture as a an open public critic of the president? Um, generally speaking, my interactions are with the sort of cabinet level folks yeah. and in the Department of Defense, it's with the heads of the different branches of the military. Uh, no, those conversations, those discussions have always been very much about whatever the particular policy initiative was or, or, or how Massachusetts could play a role. Well, how about below your level? Do you ever get a message back to you that, hey, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're saying, you know, they're sick of hearing you spout off about or criticize the president, cut, cut it out or, el or else? There's not a lot of that that goes on. Okay. Um, and, and I... But there and is I, some, I hear you saying. Uh, not really. I mean, generally speaking, um, I think the uh, I, we, we take the positions we take. We're respectful in the way we take them. Okay. Uh, I don't no. I don't hear a lot of that. Do you see any Democrats in the field who, when you hear them talking, you're kind of nodding? That makes sense. They're appealing in some level. I'm not asking for an endorsement, but <laughs> I'm not sure that would do them any good. Probably um, not. I think the uh, I've, I've managed to catch some of the debates so far. Um, I think it's a tough format for everybody who's involved in it, that many people, that short period of time, or you gotta be willing to watch for two hours to yeah. sort of catch the whole thing. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting, Iowa's not that far away, um, but that's still a really big field. And frankly, you know, the Republicans had a really big field in uh, 16, and it's complicating for, uh, for anybody, including people like me, to sort of just get a sense for what these people are all about. What did you make of Senator Warren's plan to pay for Medicare for All? Um, I, I don't support the Medicare for All plan um, for a lot of reasons. Um, among others, it takes 177 million Americans out from under their current health care system and their current providers, which most people feel pretty good about. I think the federal government has a hu huge sort of credibility problem with you can keep your doctor, uh, you can keep your plan if you like your plan. Those, both of those things turned out not to be true. Um, I think some of the things that we've done here in Massachusetts with the Affordable Care Act have served people in Massachusetts well. I would love to see people build on some of the work that we've suggested and recommended to the feds around the Affordable Care Act to make it better. Um, but I think, the, I think Medicare for All is just not the right way to go. And I also think the math doesn't work. Yeah, you saw her proposal on how to fund it. You're yeah. not buying it? I'm not buying it. Yeah. Okay, Governor. It's nice Always to great see you, to John. talk to you. Take Thank care. you very much. Okay. Thanksgiving traditions are crucial in New England. People who are from this area value them, love them. Here at WBZ, one of our most valued traditions are John Keller's turkeys of 2019. It's turkey time. Turkeys. Ah, turkey. Oh, turkeys. Turkeys. You lost it all, turkey. 
It ain't cool being no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving. <laughs> they sound like those. Uh, We're talking turkeys. about turkeys and we can dig it. You gotta, <laughs> oh my goodness. You have to add that, that creation by Jonathan Case to the TV product. That was please, funky. Please, that, He this. knows what I like. I, I like and 1970s just lots of funk. I just want lots of cut shots of you sort of with your back to the camera turning the camera with a certain <laughs> look with a mustache. In your trench coat. And, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. So all this week long on the news, we've been... Uh, running uh, my top four turkeys on the national scene, the local mm-hmm. scene, and also the leftover turkeys. If you miss them this week, they'll all re-air uh, Sunday morning at 8.30 in our normal uh, Sunday Keller at Large weekend interview slot. We're rerunning the turkeys then. But, you know, uh, Jonathan, I caught Jonathan Case, our producer, at my desk, uh, leaving uh, used hamburger wrappers uh, strewn around and <laughs> rustling through my notes. And he came across my original handwritten list okay. of turkeys, which had to be dramatically pared down because mm-hmm. of time limitations. Yeah. So uh, if you guys want to, I'll Wait, share... So this is the original draft this of is this it, year's list? This is crudely scrawled gotcha. uh, with a quill pen <laughs> dipped in turkey blood that I saved for the occasion. May I ask, did you get that from uh, the Dukakis uh, carcass collection? The, the blood? You know, governor that reminds Dukakis. me, everybody, hold on to your carcasses. Right. He'll be coming around. And then the governor, yeah, Governor Dukakis. Governor, he's he's almost like a character of folklore. Now. That's yeah. right. He's like the, a old Mr. Dukakis walks around. Hey, um, uh, I do want to ask about a process question. Yeah. Do you, as, as the year's going and someone emerges, they do something really dumb. Asinine. Yeah, sure. Do you... Do you put that down, put that in the file? Okay, this person will be considered as a finalist at the end of the year. How do you carry out this process? Yeah, every year I vow to myself that that's exactly what I'm going to do. And every year through a combination of old age, distraction, and excessive pot smoking, (laughs) I forget to do it. So what I have to do is when the turkeys, I'm just kidding about all that, of course. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, As the date approaches, I realize, oh, God, I forgot to do it again this year. So I've got to go back and uh, get uh, get the turkey list together. So who's on the original list? So, uh... What I do is go back and look over the news of the year. I go over our old rundowns to see mm-hmm, what stories mm-hmm. we covered. And uh, these are people who didn't, people and things who didn't make the cut. Okay. I had both Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. and the Kevin Spacey trial, which mm-hmm. ended in disaster mm-hmm. uh, when the prosecution's case just completely fell apart. Um, I had WeWork. The, oh the, the hip, the groovy hip new shared workspace We're company. We're reinvent working. Yeah, and, and it was all going to be so groovy and holistic and it collapsed in a sea of mismanagement and debt. Um, I had the government shutdown. Remember that mm. from last January? Of course. What a waste of time Longest that one in was. history. Total mm-hmm. dud uh, mm-hmm. that uh, slimed everybody who came near it. Uh, I had... Uh, uh, the Harvard Crimson uh, controversy debacle that we talked about a few weeks ago. I would say the turkeys in this case were the protesting students mm-hmm. who didn't know the difference between journalism and, uh, and an attack on them. Um, uh, the ultimate turkey, the king of the turkeys, uh, Erdogan. The uh, president of Turkey. Of Turkey. He's, he's a choice Turkey there. Well, uh, and of course his thugs beat up American citizens on U.S. soil right. last year when he was visiting the White House. And as punishment for that, he got everything he wanted out of the Trump administration. Uh, Amazon, uh, for being a predatory corporate actor, 
for uh, the uh, misdeeds of its uh, of its CEO mm. Jeff Bezos for putting twenty cities through a beauty pageant and the horrendous the farce. So when I, as I predicted from the very start, you I did. I you so rarely it. get a prediction right. I want credit for this one. Uh, he winds up going to New York and Washington, mm. where he was going to go all along. Uh, then uh, Matt Bevan, the outgoing oh, yeah. governor of Kentucky, mm. who managed to turn a. a, a a, an all red state against him, a conservative Republican, by just basically going out of his way to insult everyone in sight and then refusing to concede the result of the election weeks after it was apparent. He did finally concede did once yeah. it was <laughs> mathematically impossible. I mean, when even, when even uh, Mitch McConnell can't stand the sight of you, you really, you know you're a pretty repugnant human being. Uh, then um, uh, the mass turnpike proposed changes, that mm. huge mega project, we've talked about it here on Alston's number one podcast, mm -hmm. that's going to move Soldiers Field Road away from the river and move the pipe Harvard and over, and, and it's going to turn our already horrendous traffic into a much bigger nightmare for a period of at least 150 years while they're <laughs> building it. So that's on there. Um, and then uh, one other that didn't make the cut, amazingly enough, Antonio Brown. Oh, of course. I mean, yes. you don't. This guy blew off a thirty million dollar guaranteed contract in Oakland, then blew off a fifteen million dollar guaranteed contract in uh, New England, and as it stands now, he came away from the whole thing with about hundred and fifty grand, mm. which I'm sure he's spending on gun Kleenex. And now he's apologizing profusely oh, to Mr. Yeah. Kraft. Oops, someone explained to Antonio he made a mistake. So I'm sorry those didn't make the cut, but they're <laughs> juicy turkeys. And they always have another chance this upcoming right. year make to make comeback. the list. They can just go to that next level <laughs> and then try to get back a on A multiple year turkey. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Should we say what the turkeys were, or are we leaving that to No, uh, make TV? people listen. TV. Or make okay, so so TV. you can go watch those on TV. Or it's online, and too. And I, I know that you wanted to mention your Thanksgiving travel turkeys well, as well. And you know, right away, I'll just say, if you're taking your feet off on a plane— Taking your sh your shoes off. You know? I, sorry. Yeah. Well, if you're taking your feet off, that's a different. It's a medical issue. Right. If right. you're taking your yeah. shoes and socks that off could get on bloody. a plane, yeah. <laughs> if you're could taking your shoes right there and coach. Yeah. If you're taking shoes William. and socks off on a plane, right. There needs to be an air marshal involved. <laughs> uh, and we're getting into that season now where everyone's getting on the planes and it's got, planes oh. are going to be packed and we all know that the. The size of the seats and the yeah. room between yeah. them is all getting smaller and people are starting to do this. Air marshals. Can I ask you this a little? Be the next thing can I ask you a little about. bit of a personal question? Mm -hmm. Was were shoes and socks optional on your wedding night? Oh dear. Um, do you mean at the wedding? <laughs> no, you know what I mean. <laughs> well, uh, Jonathan's giving me the rap. <laughs> we're giving the rap here. <laughs> right, we'll talk about that later. To to that. So uh, it is time now for the annual. Uh, what do we call it at this point? Pie debate seems yeah, to oh, yeah. land for right. what it's turned into. No, it's a, it's a um, battle. But the battle began. Yeah. John, let me refresh yeah. your memory. Right. When Liam asserted, which I'm fine with, that pumpkin is the most popular Thanksgiving yeah. Day pie. No I think question. we can all no agree question. on that. Pumpkin is king. Synonymous Some people with the are yeah. into pecan pie, mm -hmm. pumpkin pie, mm -hmm. and I said, 
apple pie as mm. well, I think was always yeah, on our Thanksgiving right. table, right. but that wasn't good enough for Liam. <laughs> he had to assert that not only did pumpkin pie have to be number one, yes. but that apple pie shouldn't even be yeah. allowed Well, because it's a summer <laughs> pie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And no. wasn't even served at his table and shouldn't be served at anyone. Misstating my position. As Liam is which to do. This is, this is a good way to win an argument is to create a straw man. Uh, I said that apple pie is a year-round pie. You can get it any time of year. It's a July 4th pie. If you're, if you you're going to a Christmas party, there's an apple pie. pie. Yeah, it, it, it can be a summer pie. It can be a fall pie. It's a winter. If you go to a party at any point during the year, and pie so is being moving served. Moving the goalposts once oh, again. Oh, here we go. I'll look up. I'm gonna. You forced me to do it. I'm gonna go look up some old tweets in which I said that it's a year-round pie from all I'm years saying, ago. All I'm saying, that's fine. If it's year-round, that's fine. All I'm saying is, don't say it doesn't belong on the Thanksgiving no. dinner table. The early settlers would have picked their apples in September, mm. canned and preserved them, and used them to make apple pie on yeah. the fictitious Thanksgiving meal. Yeah. As you know, my now. tweet from two years ago: Apple oh pie is a year-round pie. Pumpkin like pecan like pumpkin is a Thanksgiving pie. Yes, so I, I'm proven right yet again. Here, here's what it is: what? if you walk into a party at any point yeah. and there's pie being served, there'll be an apple pie. At the table, and it's lovely. It's fine. Throw some whipped cream on it. Boom, it's fine. It's an okay pie. It's a middle-of-the-road pie. Uh, Pecan is a Thanksgiving pie, as is pumpkin. So So pumpkin's number one. Pecan's number two. But apple deserves to be... apple can be be on the table if you so choose. As a neutral observer in this whole Donnybrook, I'm going to end this by saying Paula wins. (laughs) Thank you, John. Yeah. And on that note... On what grounds? I'm just going to win the argument by leaving the room. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, Paula has to go do breaking news. Bye, Um, Paula. So she's big-timing us. Everyone loves apple pie, and if you don't, you're in America. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could be considered an anti-Fuji fascist. I'll ask you this. You don't want to be there. So on your table at Thanksgiving, will there be an apple pie? There might be. See, will there be a pecan pie? There probably there will, will be. be. There you go. And that's pumpkin, the difference. Pecan is a Thanksgiving pie. You say, oh, there might be an apple pie. I'm, there I'm, will I'm very, be a pecan pie. I, I hate to interrupt. Yes. Um, but I do have some statistics. Oh, I didn't, okay. I didn't know you were going to launch right into this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I Careful. I didn't prepare you guys uh, for this, but and I might actually have to be on mic for this. Yeah. Um, so... Allison, I did. call security, okay, just in case. <laughs> so I did, I, yeah, this this might come as some bad news to you. Okay, let's see. Um, I did a little bit of research to find out who uh, who's right. Okay. And um, many articles say that, you know, here is the definitive Thanksgiving dessert yeah. for each state. Okay. And in Massachusetts, uh, multiple articles, including Huffington Post, said uh, it was brownies. What? Which seemed incredibly wrong to me. So I did some re- some more research, and it turns out that everyone was pulling from the same article that was using yes. extremely spurious me- yeah, methods. They, they, for... yeah, clearly. So I don't I, think I've ever seen a brownie at a Thanksgiving event. Uh, no, no. And, How about and a Cub Scout? By the way, it was multiple <laughs> states, so that's really bad journalism that yeah. someone's doing. Um, so I did a ser- I did just did a basic Google Trends search for for uh, search popularity in November of this year. Um, for Massachusetts, um, number one, apple pie. Number for two, Massachusetts. For Massachusetts in November, 
That's false. Number one, it is absolutely true, Liam. And yeah, you no, can but, look it up yourself. Uh, number two is pumpkin pie. Yeah. Number three is brownies. <laughs> <laughs> See, so that now yes. calls into question. It is, it does. Yeah. The accuracy of um, this whole thing. Number four is uh, pecan pie. And then number five is Starburst. Is, uh, is chocolate pie. And, and six, chocolate pie. Six, yes. Chocolate pie, which was mentioned by you. Six are, are pixie let's, sticks. Listen, let, let's dial down on the adversarial tone, and let's do a deep dive here into what this is really all about. Did you have some kind of uh, an experience as a child related to apple pie that was disturbing to you? No. Apple pie is fine. You know, it's a, it's a if you put ten pies in front of me— and, you know, it's pumpkin and pecan yeah. and cherry and blueberry. It's a middle-of-the-road pie. It's like the fifth or sixth best pie. I, I feel like you're holding back on me. No, no. Something happened involving apple pie or someone <laughs> wielding an apple pie? No. Perhaps it no. involved a girl and an apple pie? <laughs> no, no. Something on the playground? It's a fine pie. Uh, what this really boils down to is that once I've taken a position— you can't move me from that position, and that's just the way it's going to so be. So it's really, for you, it's about the crust, not the pie. E, the if you pecan. follow my double meaning. <laughs> I man. do. I follow your double meaning. No, it, it, pecan pie is just, I mean, if you're telling me I can only have one slice of pie on Thanksgiving, it actually probably is going to be pecan. Well, that's because I agree that pumpkin's number one in terms of you know because it's it's only a Thanksgiving. It's not but number one. if I, what if I yeah. told you you could only have a slice of apple pie? What would your reaction, your honest reaction? I probably I probably would pass on the pie. I, it's not that I that I hate it. I just it it doesn't do anything for me. Apple pie. So for you, the mention of apple pie raises images of deprivation. <laughs> Of denial, of free choice, oh. of stifling repression, hmm. perhaps with sexual overtones. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I like. I mean, you're among this. friends here. It's not like anyone is listening. You can you can share your innermost intimate thoughts. Have I become this. Jason Biggs now in American Pie? <laughs> okay, now you saw American Pie. You were too young for it, and it traumatized you. Right? <laughs> there you go. That might be it. Well, I have, I have one more piece of information. Okay. okay. Um, I we did a, a poll of our listeners on Twitter. Okay. Um, and once again, uh. Pumpkin pie got forty one percent. Yeah, yeah, that makes the, sense. The question is, which is the Thanksgiving pie? Right. Yeah. Uh, pumpkin pie forty one percent. Apple pie forty three percent. That's hilarious. Pecan pie sixteen percent. Okay, but I want to know what sample size is here. Okay, let me <laughs> let me give this another spin here. What about chicken pot pie? That's not a dessert. It it might be. It might be. It might be a dessert. There's several iconic local chicken pot pie manufacturers mm. here. We should probably do a whole segment on it. Absolutely. I bet there's then, one right here in Alston. And then <laughs> it operates out of a dumpster in the in a, <laughs> behind a house. But it's colorfully uh, spray painted. You're back. And I'm back. Okay. okay. We so Paula, while you were away, yes. I think we had a breakthrough with Liam. Really? Yeah. Progress. There was some crying involved, but it's passed. <laughs> And uh, I think we realized that it, he's not opposed to apple pie. There just was a traumatic Thank episode or at a sensitive moment in childhood 
that involved okay, apple pie. Here? Now we understand. Oh, oh, and this is the Studio BZ poll that oh, Jonathan read for us while you were gone yes. in which apple pie won. Uh, the sam- sample size was laughably small. But that uh, is poll. fine. Oh, that wouldn't that'd be a, that'd be a <laughs> margin of error. Bye, Paula. I think this might be it. This is Have great. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs> Paula's okay. back out to cover Bye, Paula. breaking news. And so we've lost her. All right. So anyway, before we wrap this up, um, we were talking about other Thanksgiving turkeys. And you were talking about the people who remove their feet on yeah, the plane and, their and, shoes, let their, yes. their bl- and bleed out all over the, <laughs> the passenger area. Yes. <clears throat> I have a kind of a beef with people who t- choose Thanksgiving dinner as a forum to share their political beliefs. Mm. Particularly in this era with the tr- with Trump and all, but even forgetting about him, I just, mm. uh, it, it never bodes well. And I got something in the mail from a guy, a Rabbi Michael Lerner, who's the editor of Tikkun Magazine, which is a like a, a left-wing uh, Jewish magazine. And uh, he talks about how uh, he makes the case for injecting your politics into the Thanksgiving meal. He says, um, you know, too often there may be injunctions against discussing politics at the table. He says, you can challenge those kinds of demands before people sit down for their Thanksgiving meal, but there's no reason to disrupt the good vibes during the meal itself if the hosts feel strongly about not having anything serious being discussed. Then he goes on to say, instead, you can stay in integrity with your own feelings and thoughts, which is essential at all times, right? By bringing them up during conversation in the middle or the end of the meal. So this guy wants to make sure he gets his free meal <laughs> before he starts boring the daylights out of everyone with his politics. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, long story short, he goes on to offer a suggested Thanksgiving, and I'm quoting now, meditation, prayer, or guided visualization. That's like when you take your shoes and socks off on a date. That's guided visualization. Um and he, uh, part of this guided visualization says, oh, we who recognize that our ability to live today, enjoying all the benefits of North America, was achieved in part through a genocidal struggle against the native peoples of this land, are not willing to live through another period in which other peoples may be losing their lands to settlers or oppressive colonization or through brutal wars, end quote. Pass the pecan pie. <laughs> now it's a party. As long as it's pecan pie. Um, I will, <laughs> I'll just say this. My family bans political conversation as at do the, I, during Thanksgiving because yeah. there are a, a couple of people in particular who feel very strongly about everything that's happening right now. Right. And they're on opposite sides of the spectrum. And it has led to really nasty altercations. It's horrible. And so instead, we talk about the trips we've taken. We talk about the kids. And you just keep it to those things. At my house, the rule is if you want to talk politics, you can go in the backyard with the dog. (laughs) And you can take a poop bag with you. (laughs) And you can either talk to the dog or you can talk to the poop bag. (laughs) Seems fair. (laughs) Or both. Oh, anyway, what a wonderful episode we've had here. Uh, it's been jam-packed yeah. with, I'd say, grade-A content. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, but what we think doesn't matter. What's important is what you think. You can write to us. Uh, uh, my Twitter handle is at Keller at Large. I am at Liam WBZ. We are at Studio BZ Pod. And uh, we'd be so thankful on Thanksgiving if you would give us a rating and yeah. write to us and tell your friends to subscribe. Subscribe that, to the podcast. It's available off our website or anywhere you get your podcast. And uh, until Thanksgiving 2019 is behind us, We'll be seeing you. Wow, that was exciting. <laughs> that was an exciting. Episode. What are you going to do with, you know, at this, at this point, we're just.